many of the streamers right now will do a short theatrical window. You know, that, that would be ideal, I think. I also feel like audiences nowadays want to laugh. And I know there's a following for all the Tyler Perry films. And um, it'll be nice to see the familiar faces in this movie. Welcome to Best in Fest, and I'm Leslie Lepage, the director of the LaFemme International Film Festival. And this is a podcast for everyone who wants to learn more about television and film and making content for all these platforms. And today my guest is Valerie McCaffrey. Oh my gosh, uh, she is amazing. We've had her on before, so I'm so lucky to have her on again. Uh, for those that don't know, she is a... Um, casting director. That's how she she got into the business. Uh, she was working for New Line as the vice president of feature film casting for uh, many, many, many years up until uh, 2000. She had cast Edward Norton and Eddie Furlong in New Line Cinema's American History X. She cast Hard Candy and put Ellen Page in her first American film, which is personally my favorite movie. Uh, she she has moved on. She still casts, but she has moved on to directing and writing and producing. And that is what we're going to talk to her about uh, today, because she's got an exciting new project called Not Another Church Movie. Valerie, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Leslie. You know, it's funny. I, I talk about uh, women, especially um, in the industry, have to be multitasks taskers. You know, we have to be multifaceted. We have to be able to do more than one thing. And just because you do one thing well, doesn't mean that you can't branch off and do other things well. Um, you know, you've been casting for many, many years successfully with a roster of films longer than my arm. But you got bit with the passion to do a short film called Dirty Bomb that did very well in the festival circuit um, where you wrote and directed it. And then you have written the long form of that. We're going to circle back and talk about that, too. But now you're EPing this wacky, wonky comedy. Can you tell us how you got involved and you know, where, where all that came from? Well, um, Jimmy Cummings, who is the director and producer of the film, called me up because they really needed some help in, in, the, um, in finding the lead of the movie. And it's a parody on all the Tyler Perry movies and, all, and Robert Townsend and all of that, right? So within 12 hours, he had a lead. So he, you know, they already had had a casting director that they had hired locally in Atlanta. And uh, he said, you know what, you've just, you know, basically saved the day. Um, and we want you to be an executive producer on here and do more than just the casting part of it. So, um, so that's what happened. And, you know, they're very happy. And Kevin Daniels, is the lead and he's doing great and he's perfect for the role. And so they were thrilled. Um, so that's how that all came around. You know, it's years of, you know, people calling you out, out of the blue, you know, and, um, uh, you know, it's nice that, you know, I'm the, you know, pitch hitter or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but you know, experiences a lot. Well, baseball terms, you're the closer. Yeah. Yeah. The closer <laughs> and experiences a lot about, you know, what you do and how you do it in this business. And, and, you know, it is true that you have to do something 
well and I tell clients and people that I know do something really well and then you can branch out to do other things um you know a lot of people get into this thing well I'm this and I'm that and I'm this and I'm that and then at the end of the day you're like okay so what are you a master of first then you can go out and branch out and and people will accept it and open arms actually well let's talk about after you got Kevin and everyone was happy and you were you know saving the day in the ninth inning um <laughs> you then um you brought in did you bring in the the, the rest or or you advise them i mean had it because you've got a, a crazy stellar wacky wonky cast and then i want you just to kind of give us a, a snippet on on the storyline because it's a wacky storyline <laughs> yeah um you know yes i ended up getting kayla pratt um uh, get jasmine guy um you know, uh, I closed the deal of Lamar Morris. It's also knowing that I know how to close deals. I know how to negotiate and I know how to, you know, uh, make things happen. And that's, you know, that's years of experience as well. So, um, I, the, the, the project is, is a funny comedy and it's a parody of all the church movies out there. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, they, you know, Tyler, you know, Tyler Ferry is Tyler Perry, you know, that kind of thing, Terry. And so it's, it's really going to be fun. And they're shooting it now in Savannah. And I go to set tomorrow, actually, they're flying me to set tomorrow because we're going to have publicity, you know, show up on set. That's awesome. For those that, um, haven't read the uh, deadline uh, uh, article or any other articles on this. She's got some other stellar um, cast members, Kevin Daniels. She's mentioned Mickey Rourke, Vivica Fox, uh, Lamore uh, Morris, and um, Mickey uh, uh, plays, which I, I guess I can say, cause it, it's, it's all over the internet that plays the devil um the devil yeah <laughs> sucking the uh unbeknownst uh other uh, cast members into nasty folly can we say <laughs> sucking them into his contract <laughs> his devil's yeah, contract and we'll we'll have a surprise cast announcement of who's playing god but i can't say anything yet but it's, i see it's pretty exciting Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, you know, you're going to Savannah right now. They're, they're shooting it. Um, what's your game plan on uh, how fast you guys are going to edit this and try and get this out? Um, are, you, are you shooting to try and, and launch this thing at the end of the year, beginning of the year? Are you trying to make a Christmas uh, time frame. What's your game plan? I think you know. Once we secured um, a distribution company, we have our own PNA fund, and once we secure who we're talking to, a bunch of distributors right now. So once we secure a distributor, I'm sure there's going to be a game plan as to what the distributor think would be the best for the film. Um, you know, it could be uh, Christmas would be probably ideal to do something like this. Um, but again, it'll depend on, you know, distribution, what their, what their game plan would be. And I think, you know, they want to get this out as soon as possible. Yeah. But 
you know, as you know, timing is everything. Yeah. Right. Now, are you guys thinking about theatrical? Is that part of your uh, overall plan? Yes, definitely thinking about theatrical. But if they make a nice sale to a streamer, I don't think they're going to balk at that either. You know, know, and many of the streamers right now will do a short theatrical window. And then, you know, that that would be ideal, I think. But I, I also feel like audiences nowadays want to laugh. And they want to be, and and I know there's a following for all the Tyler Perry films, and um, it'll be nice to see the familiar faces in this movie, too, as well. So I think that they're, I I think that whoever picks up this movie, whoever we decide to go with, is going to have a field day. And they're going to have a lot of fun to, you know, to market. So you know, in in this wacky, in this wacky comedy, how, how did you get Mickey Rourke, was that your idea to bring him in as uh, the devil? Because it's great casting for him. I mean, he's a stellar actor. He's he's fabulous. He's got a long history and a career, but he he's fabulous to play the devil. Yeah. Well, Mickey, you know, actually they shot him um, uh, all, you know, on green screen and they brought him in to Savannah. But no, that wasn't my idea because I wasn't on the project at that point in time, but certainly whoever idea it was, it was perfect. So, um, and I've seen some footage of it and he's hilarious. He is perfect for this role. Um, and you know, he's such a brilliant, he is such a brilliant actor and, um, you know, and for him to do something fun like this, it had to be, it had to be a blast. Cause he looked like he was having a lot of fun. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, as an EP, if you can, um, maybe tell those that, uh, are listening in, you know, how you function in, um, bringing in the casting elements, how you're going to look at distribution, like what would be your ideal, you know, distribution contract, uh, uh, for this film? Well, I think, um, I would love to see Lionsgate take this film. Um, I think that would be like a perfect place. I think the audiences for Lionsgate, uh, you know, are, are just up our alley. Um, of course there's, uh, Amazon and, and Netflix. Um, but I think having a theatrical window would be ideal, but you know, I was also, um, toying with the idea of, and this is also a new line, Warner Brothers, it might fit as well, because new line, this is how we all, this is how money was made at new line was these kinds of films. And so I also think that's an idea uh, on where to go, you know, because you do have to match it to whoever's the appetite, you know, and, and they're, and, and what they're, you know, like for instance, on Hard Candy, Lionsgate was a perfect venue for that. I would like to see Lionsgate do this. That well, you know what? From your mouth to God's ears, let's uh, just focus yes. that upwards. Are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> knock knock. <laughs> We're paying tribute to you. <laughs> um, that's funny. Um, how do you? You know, I've asked this to um, to some executives. Where do you see? the industry's theatrical 
hybrid streaming combination going. They've had huge success over the summer with um, Maverick, right? And and yet Disney, you know, on their releases will do a limited exclusive theatrical and then open it up to their uh, OTT platform. So where do you see this hybrid mixture going in the future? Do you think theaters are phasing out theatrical screenings? I, I think theaters are coming back myself. Um, and I think actors um, and producers and people that are, you know, that would have a back end uh, deal would want to see more theatrical than streaming. Um, and I think there's going to be a push for that. And I think nothing ever stays the same during, during COVID, of course, you know, everyone stayed in front of their TV set, um, because they had to, uh, for entertainment. But honestly, I think that if like, like Tom Cruise is a maverick, you know, he is, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, the buzz in the industry has always been like, thank God for Tom Cruise. And thank God he waited until the movie was um, ready to be seen, you know, as far as being able to go back into the theater. And I think more and more, more and more people are going to go back. I think people are tired of sitting in front of TV sets all day long. We like being with other humans. We like eating popcorn. We like the whole experience. It's a great date night. You just, we have to be, I think, a little bit careful of what movies we do show in theaters because we don't want to discourage the marketplace where all these movies are now going to be shown in theaters and then nobody shows up for them. So we have to pick and choose to slowly get back into the realm of things. But I think, you know, actors want a theatrical release because that's how they make their money back, you know? Well, that's, you know, that's a problem in the industry because theatrical releases have been the bread and butter for, um, Actors, can you talk about that difference? Because there's people that may not have that understanding on a theatrical release being more valuable to an actor than, let's say, a streaming release um, in box office, you know, back end participation. Um, well, you know, when you're when you're selling to a streamer, usually actors get like a bonus. Okay, if this if this movie gets sold to a streamer for let's say $10 million and the actor will get a bonus of this amount. Okay. But it has to clear, it has to clear a certain amount for the actor to collect money. So many times when we're negotiating deals, this is a big stickler in a theatrical box office. The, the amount of money that you make is more on an endless, scenario because you're saying, okay, if the box office makes 10 million, you get 25,000. If it makes 10 million, 500,000, you get another 25,000. So it's just a tier of how much money you can make. So, um, and coupled with that is the streamer. So not only are you making your theatrical money, you're making your streamer, and all the other, you know, you know, all the other rights that you can sell to to garner money for the film. 
And then uh, the actor shares all of that. And not only the actor, the director, the producers, so everyone gets a piece of the piece of the pie, but usually box office bonuses is something, you know, agents like because it's so clear cut, you know, as published in the Hollywood Reporter or Variety. This is how much the money make and they start participating, you know, so, um, yeah, that's why there's a lot of unhappiness, you know, in some of these negotiations. Yeah. Well, do you feel that um, when the agents are negotiating uh, on behalf of their acting talent clients, they're really swaying towards the bonuses as a percent, as a uh, first choice instead of a straight percentage box office split? Absolutely, because usually on something like that, unless it's a gross deal that you're participating the minute the movie starts making money, which is very rare unless you're a huge, huge star, you will have, you know, it's when the movie clears a certain amount of distribution, the distribution costs, the theatrical, all those costs have to clear before you even see any money. Whereas in a box office, it's less of that. So it's more lucrative when you are negotiating for that um, on the standpoint of, of you trying to secure that actor. You know, when you say, oh, okay, I got a point. Yeah, I, I, you know, I got five points, but those five points don't come in until everybody else gets paid, you know. So doing the bonus works better for the, for the talent because they've got a clear cut. Once, once the movie makes this amount of money, they know that they get a bonus uh, on that. Yeah, and the thing is, is that... Um, you know, those bonuses can be defined in different ways, too. Like, um, you know, when you're sharing these bonuses, when producers are sharing it, right? Um, you know, there's different ways of negotiating the bonuses, but most of the time it's pretty much when the movie makes this, this is what you get. You had a short called Dirty Bomb, and that short went through the festival circuit and was very successful and ended up landing over at con and screening at con. And at that time you didn't have a feature film on this, right? You just had your short piece of content that you wrote and directed and produced and did all the hats that you had to do to make this thing happen. And walking away from con, you had met people there that were interested in seeing uh, a, a feature film of that. So you went home back to LA, started writing <laughs> and researching um, and writing and researching and right. I know, right. For a good chunk of time to then create your feature film on this. And I'm going to give you uh, some time to, to describe the storyline so people understand where this, where this was and the timeline on, on how this developed. So now you're at a really fun point because that feature film you've now be able you've now uh, have funding for it. So kind of step back and and tell the people listening that whole chain of events that led to where you are now. Dirty Bomb was based on the 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 prisoners that that sabotaged the V two bomb, and I that, that was what spoke to me so strongly because I, I, I looked at it in so many ways where these prisoners actually saved my uncle's life who was at the Battle of the Bulge. Um, they, 
we don't really know the 200 of them that were uh, that put their life on the line who they were and I wanted to pay uh, respect to their story and their sacrifice and their heroism um, and the fact that um, even though they were in they were they were more heroes and and I just I had to make this short and and it wasn't like the story came upon me it was like you know uh, it came upon me I wasn't looking for it I wasn't looking to do a short or anything like that but um, I did and um, and I and and it was it was successful and I was very happy with the outcome um, uh, and then of course now you're faced with okay you've got a success successful short now what are you going to do with all this you know uh you still want to tell the story on a larger scale so i said to myself you know i i was thinking about well how do i tell a story about this sabotage that's going to keep audiences interested for two hours or an hour and a half whatever and I decided to instead tell this story in the point of view of characters and characters are what I love because I'm a you know, casting director at heart. So um, I wrote this story about Werner Van Braun who designed the V2 and I created a fictional character that was Jewish and I'm sure he had Jewish friends growing up in Berlin with their love of rocketry and as the war goes on, as the war breaks out, they, they land on two different sides of the war. One is a prisoner and one is the designer of the V2, which was caused the most mass destruction and could have been, we could be all speaking German right now, honestly. So I went through many revisions of the script. And there was a lot to tell because I had the short in my head and I was going to show the, the soldiers and the this and that. And just one at 12 midnight, one night, I just, I found the movie. I found the story and I had to, you know, it always says you got to kill your babies. And you kill your babies and, and you've got your story. You can't tell too many stories, you know. And also I had the, a mentor, Donald Martin, who is a... Uh, a wonderful writer and uh, he helped me through a couple of the revisions and uh, you know I credit a lot of my friends who were you know honest with me and I say why don't you do this why don't you change this why don't you do and so I started thinking a lot and I'm always open to ideas because you know I've, you know, you know, it's, a, you know, when you, when you're writing a script, you're so married to it. You're so, you're looking at it. You're at that point of view. You, somebody else gets a point of view. You should, you, and if more than one person tells you the same thing, you should look at it strongly. So, um, yeah. And so the script is really strong. It's won awards. And right now we're in the casting process where we're going to be making offers to actors, depending on what actors are going to fit in the timeline. We're shooting in Serbia, so I'm excited about it. When are you targeting to shoot in Serbia? We have two targets. I think it's probably going to be the first quarter of next year um, because of the weather in Serbia. 
Um, if we decide that it's going to go sooner, it'll probably be October, November. But we can't shoot past November because of the weather. So, so it's safer safer bet to start first quarter of next year when you're through the yeah. the nasty mm -hmm. weather, right? Which gives you some more time. So, talk talk to me on on how the financing came uh, about for this once you had. Uh, taken the feature film and you started soliciting the feature film and and it won awards and how did the financing fall in play there was a, a producer that i've worked with nick suvik and um he is croatian and he and i'd worked on previous projects so he read the script and loved it and so he became a producer on it and then we have Nick Moore, who's an editor. He's a very famous English editor. He's editing it. And so we put together a package. Um, and then he knew someone that uh, had an, that loved doing socially relevant projects. And this man uh, read the project and wanted to be part of it. There's certain things that we have to deliver, like a bond and certain things that we have to deliver before it becomes financeable. And part of that is also distribution and getting cast. So that's where we are right now on doing that. But, um, you know, nothing is signed on the dotted line, but he's committed to the project. We just need to deliver him what we need to deliver him. That in itself is a huge journey. This journey has taken you, what, two, two, three years, four years? How long, how long is this journey for Dirty Bomb? Three years. Three years of a journey to get you to the point where, you know, everything is going to trigger and you'll be shooting uh, in 2023. So um, that's amazing. Um, what bit of advice can you give people that are in the industry, maybe in a different field, crossing over into some other field? Or what piece of advice can you give uh, young filmmakers that are listening to the podcast? One of the things that I just go see a lot, if you're a filmmaker, just go see a lot of movies. Uh, know what's out there, but also look at older movies that have, uh, that have, done well and won awards, go to film festivals, meet uh, people, collaborate. Um, don't be afraid to go to cocktail hour and uh, hang out. And uh, yeah, I think film festivals are like a great way of meeting and, and, and being part of the community. I actually miss going to film festivals. I, I love film festivals because I love watching other people's work, um, and I, uh, I think you learn a lot from that. Watching is a learning, you know, and just throwing yourself into the into the community, and you know, if you're passionate about it, just give it your all, and but but also find people that can actually mentor you and help you. Like I'm really thankful that Donald took a look at my script and gave me notes. Find people that you can trust, that somebody's gonna give you true, not just pat you on the back. Somebody that's kind of hard on you. 
because that's how you become successful is, you know, you want, you want to push yourself in anything, any art that you do, you, because it's a growing art. You never quite get there. Even Anthony Hopkins coaches. So you never quite get there. And that's the journey, you know, because the next project is you might do better work than the previous project, right? Because you're always, you're always learning from each project. And it could be a, being an actor, being a director, writer. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of advice. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in the next five years? In the next five years, probably writing more. I actually have a couple, uh, a couple of, uh, I have another one, another project called Everything's Going to Pot, and uh, that one I wrote, it's comedy, and then uh, another one's called The Take Back, which is about three women that meet in a, in a rehab, and uh, their sons are in rehab, and then one of the sons ends up ODing on fentanyl. And uh, while he's in rehab, and um, and they they ended up all banding together to take revenge upon the drug dealers. So it's an action film. <laughs> We're gonna kick, kick ass with some women, you know. That's good. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I like. That's I good. like. I like that I like a lot. I that. like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, because you know we have a we have a. Uh, we have a responsibility to our youth and I think, um, and so I like social, social subjects. So it has relevance. I like things that say something that leave you with a moral message at the end. Exactly. Or teaches you or yeah, or teaches you something that you didn't know before. Well, thank you so much for being on best in fest. For all those that are listening, uh, you were hearing the wisdom from uh, Valerie McCaffrey, um, extraordinaire, uh, casting director, producer, writer, director, uh, a true hybrid. Um, and for those um, that want to see the video component, you can tap into the YouTube channel at LaFemme and see the video component of this podcast. We are on all the platforms, so don't forget to uh, uh, rate us and DM us and let us know um, who you want us to uh, bring on the podcast. Valerie McCaffrey, thank you so much for being on Best in Fest. You're welcome. You're welcome. Talk to you later.